0: Welcome to Cosmic Brilliance, folks. Today, you're going to hear about a long overdue solution that is available now online as a progressive alternative educational center for children from four to 22 years young. This learning center called Aramis has the most delightful and I mean delightful range of classes designed to ignite, and keep our youth's soul sparks first discovering and then motivated with their missions. I first heard about my guest today, Sherry Divban, from fellow longtime researcher, speaker, and Andromedan contactee Alex Collier, who honored me by being my very first guest on my Cosmic Brilliance channel. What he briefly shared with me 100% aligned with my visions of true and inspiring education, and I had to immediately contact Sherry. Many parents and youth are awakening and find themselves dissatisfied, anxious, and overstressed with the standard institutional system. And by the way, folks, I looked up the dictionary, one of the meanings of the word institutional. And one of the definitions was unappealing and unimaginative. So did you know that by 2020, 5.6 million kids had been diagnosed with anxiety issues and 2.4 million had been diagnosed with depression. This is a sure sign that things need to change and education needs to start addressing the EQ, emotional quotient of their student, not just IQ. Many parents also, understandably, feel overwhelmed and maxed out, yet when healthy, always want the best for their children. And until now, parents, many parents, did not know where to find a valuable, accessible, alternative education for their children. Well, today, I have great news for you. Our impassioned educational champion, Sherry Dibban, will provide for you all a much needed solution, also designed for uniquely wired, reincarnating new children who are way too multi-labeled and misunderstood. One of my teachers, Dolores Cannon, creator of the quantum healing hypnosis technique, wrote a book called The Three Waves of Volunteers that I know many of my subscribers have read, and the lovely Mary Rodwell, former nurse and hypnotherapist in Australia have both been forerunners of communicating the wisdom from these new children who have been incarnating here these last several decades. Sherry's progressive online Aramis centers are for children four years young to 22 years young. And Sherry reminds us, if I may, Sherry, quote, children are essential to our evolution. And as humanity ascends, They are here to contribute through their innate wisdom, love, intelligence and empathy for all life forms End quote. With your beautiful quote, Sherry, I welcome you and thank you for being here, because I know how busy you are with three children, a husband, 30 teachers and continual focus on the creation of your Aramis centers.
1: Yeah, well. You know, thank you so much, first of all, and that was such a beautiful introduction. I was like, "Is she talking about me?" <laughs> you know, uh, and and I am so grateful to be on your show today to talk about what I believe to be one of the most important topics right now during this period, uh, because there is it's, it's important for our parents and even those that don't have children to really understand what's happening in this world, the transition we're going through, and how the children are contributing to this process in a positive way. So thank you for having me. Oh,
0: Beautifully said, and it is my honor. So Sherry, if you don't mind, let's start with your experience as a young child growing up and the path that guided you to your true soul mission. And please take your time.
1: Yeah, this is a really important question, Marilyn. Thank you for asking me because I believe that everybody's journey is is unique, and it, and it's a pathway set forth ahead of time for us to endure certain challenges that can shift the trajectory of our future and maintain us on a on a on a forward path. And so every in hindsight, I look back now at my journey and all of the tri- uh, trials and tribulations, and I and I am blessed. That these things happened you know and at the time it didn't seem that way um but i grew up with a teen mom so my mother had me at 15. my dad has always been in my life but they never were together they just remained friends and kind of co-parented so i was i was raised by a very young italian woman who was very independent very strong-willed and a beautiful woman um but she was uh, you know she was a child herself and so you know we moved around a lot Um, there was a lot of people coming and going in and out of our lives. And I shared something during a conference recently that I've never told anybody publicly, but I was kidnapped when I was, I was a young girl. I was about three, four years old. And I, uh, my babysitter at the time took me for about four or five days. And I still remember everything. And, and I remember sitting in in her home and it was cold and dark and she, she was actually mentally challenged. She was uh, deemed retarded. Um, but functional. So she was allowed to babysit me because she it wasn't, you know, she was functional. Um, but in her mind, she, I was her child and she, and I belonged to her. So she took me, she didn't feed me very much. And I ended up getting really sick, physically ill because I wasn't being fed and malnourished. But I remember in her, in her living room, I would sleep on the couch at night and I would be rummaging through her purse, looking for food, candy, anything. And I would, she had gum. So I would chew on the gum because it was sweet. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, like, where's my family? Where's my mom? What did I do wrong? Like, I'm sorry, you know, like, I'll do better. And it was just this heartbreaking thing that I couldn't understand as a a young girl. You know, where where did everybody go? And and why was I being punished? Like, what was wrong? Um, And so ultimately, um, I was found. Long story short, I was at a grocery store. The woman finally realized she needed to feed me because I was so ill. I was looking very sickly. And the lady in the checkout noticed that I looked like something was wrong with me. Like, what's wrong with this little girl? Are you okay? I remember her asking, are you okay? And I said, no, I want my mom. And she's looking at the lady with me like, you know, are you her mom? But she didn't say that. I could tell she was thinking and I go, that's not my mom. And something came over me because I was a very quiet child, um, introverted, shy, you know, the kind of kid that would hide behind mom all the time so it was out of my character but something came over me and and I started screaming I want to go home where's my mom this isn't my mom she took me and I remember utter panic I remember employees running all over the place someone like pulled me to the side and it was chaos I saw people on the phone adults talking and I was like oh my god you know what's gonna happen and the next thing I remember I was in the back of a sheriff's car driving and I saw him and then the news people were there. It was on television. i hugging my mom and everybody was watching and I was like, you know, very overwhelmed. You know, so that was a really traumatic uh, period in my life as, as such a young child, because I don't think I ever truly was able to understand at that point and have the conversation with my mom, like what happened, you know, and maybe I did and I don't remember. Um, but, but it has sat with me my whole life. Why did that happen to me? And do I have missing time? Did something else happen? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because I'm also a transpersonal um, hypnotherapist and my mom is a QHHT practitioner. Um, and it's never anything that I desire to uh, to investigate. And maybe there's a reason because you have to be ready in your journey, right? Um, but, but that, was, old, that set excuse,
0: the- Excuse me, just for a sec. Um, how old were you again when this happened?
1: I was about three or four years old.
0: Yeah. the Pivotal, pivotal time. Yeah. God. And the fact that you were shy and yet something empowered you to step forward with. I remember
1: that like it was yesterday. I remember that feeling coming over me and I just started like screaming, you know, and I was like, you know, something helped me, something guided me uh, to get out of that situation because who knows how long she would have had me and nobody knew where I was. Like, I, I, I don't know where she had me, but my mom didn't know where, where I was. She knew that she took me, but nobody knew where she was. And I think I was at her boyfriend's house. That's why nobody could find me. Cause there was a man, a young man with her. And I I just remember being afraid of him and I didn't talk much. Um, so we must've been in a place that no one else knew about. That was perhaps his apartment or something. It was an apartment. So that was kind of you know a a a very big marker point in my in my um inner you know my beginnings and my mom you know because she was a teen mom and she was you know desperately trying to support me and her and give me the best life possible we ended i ended up uh she ended up marrying uh, an older gentleman and we moved around a lot as a result of that so i my whole life one i'm an only child my mother never had more children And we moved around a lot, state to state, school to school, house to house. So I was often the new child at school. So bullying was a big part of my upbringing as well. I was bullied all the time, every single place I went and I would the people were always mean to me probably because I was a target, you know, you're the new kid. Um, and girls were always exceptionally mean to me. The girls were so mean. I still remember them taunting me, making fun of me and not wanting, telling me I couldn't be their friend because I was new and, and, and it, it was very traumatic for me. So there, these experiences throughout my life made me start to shut down and I start to became, became more introverted, more reserved, more afraid. And to be honest, I started to hate, hate people. I really started to become distrustful and just, dis, and I disliked people. And then I went to high school and, and the, and you, the, the older ages you get, the meaner they get and, and, you know, and so they, they started to say even more mean things. And I found solace with two things. One, Um, I became friends with mainly the boys, because they always accepted me for who I was. And and it was easy. There was no drama. And they didn't talk about each other. And I just rode bikes and went in the creeks and kind of became a little bit of a tomboy. So that helped me have some sort of a balance, some sort of an anchor, because I was feeling very alone. And I didn't have many people to talk to. I also grew up with animals. Luckily, my aunt, my mother was an animal person. So we always had animals. And there was a particular dog that I that we got, I was really young, probably Around four, five years old, maybe we got a German Shepherd puppy, and that dog changed my life because she became my best friend, my sister, my only friend. I used to talk to her, and I learned how to communicate with animals, and I grew a deep respect for the animal kingdom. And that was a, a true savior in my life. It helped me not to lose my focus, not to lose myself, because the animals are what kept me grounded on this planet. And no matter where I moved, you know, my Chelsea was a constant stable you know part, part part person in my life person animal um and so animals really became my passion and my focal point because of that so i wanted to be a veterinarian growing up and i and i wanted to work with animals and i was going to dedicate my animal my life to saving animals you know and that's what i was going to do and it, you know my mother being a, a young young mother um rightfully so warned me that the, the career I was walking into was not only very challenging, but I wouldn't be making very much money. And she was worried that I would always depend on somebody else to take care of me if I chose a, a career path that didn't yield much income. And, and I, at the time I was very upset. It really messed with me. And I and I was just, I went into this kind of spiral of depression because I I searched the ends of the earth trying to find something else that I was passionate about. And I literally couldn't find anything. And I kind of resented her for it. Now, all these years later, in hindsight, I look back now being a mother myself. And I completely forgive her for it because I know her intentions were good. And she didn't want me to struggle the way she did. So she wanted something better for me. And she saw me going into a path that is very <clears throat> challenging. There's a lot of resistance. And, and it, and you don't make very much money. And it's hard. And so she didn't want that for me. And so I learned a lot from that, but ultimately I found my path back to animals and I decided to do it anyways. And I became a registered veterinary technician. So essentially that's a nurse for animals. And I worked with animals for 20 years. So a big, most of my professional career up until this point, because I'm only 41 um, has been spent working with animals. I did general practice. I did exotics. I worked in an intensive care unit for many years. I became a, the boss in many places. I was, I I trained. I, I was the best damn ch- technician you've ever seen. I was a hard worker and I was dedicated and passionate about the animals. Then I worked went on to work at the zoo. I worked at the zoo for 10 years. And it was when I was at the zoo, that was the highlight of my life professionally. Cause it was, I felt like, man, I have really made it because I wanted to work with the exotic animals. I, as you can see behind me, I am obsessed with elephants. They're my animals totem. And I wanted to be near them and I got it. And I said, this is a huge accomplishment. And I was on cloud nine for probably three years. It was the best time of my life. No joke. Aside from my children, it was the I was the happiest I've ever been. I've really felt like I belonged, and I was doing something to make a difference. All the while, I, I had learned Reiki um, for animals because I wanted to help them heal. Now, when you work in the intensive care unit, if I re- rewind just for a second, um, forgive me for my scattered thoughts. You know, seeing them in intensive care unit, I have seen animals in some of the worst conditions. I have taken care of some of the worst conditions you've ever seen ventilators I mean you name it I have taken care of an animal with that particular uh, issue and I thought there has to be a better way there has to be a better way to take care of this these animals or something else we could do and it was very woo-woo and taboo to talk about holistic medication at that time so everyone I worked with that was like a no-no but I always thought in the back of my mind you know why not? Why can't we just try it? You know, what's the big deal? And, and so I ended up learning Reiki for animals. I wanted to be able to help them. And I started learning more about the energy body. I was really into Sylvia Brown back in the day. She was my catalyst for my true awakening where I was, I started asking questions. I started reading all of her books. I wanted to know everything. And so energy is part of that. And so it made sense to me that we can heal in in other ways. So I learned Reiki for the pets and I did Reiki at the zoo as well with the animals. And I just felt like there was more I needed to do. Like I need to do more. So I started an animal communication business outside of work. I went to homes and I did healings on animals and I, I absolutely loved it, but it never really went anywhere. And the reason for that is I found myself working with a lot of clients that asked me to help them with their pets because they were having behavioral issues or something was wrong or some sort of health condition. And I would say eight out of 10 times, maybe even nine, it always went back to the owner and people didn't want to hear that. I said, you're the one that really needs to be worked. I need to work with you. And that actually, I think was a pivotal experience for me to Pivot into working with people, because remember, I never I didn't really like people that much. I didn't trust people. The big joke in veterinary medicine, by the way, for people who want to go work with animals because they don't want to work with people, it's a joke because you're working with the owners, and they're quite can be quite difficult. And it's not what you think it is. So I pivoted to work with people because I thought i, I was I was guided. People really need this healing. People need to understand. The emotions and how they affect energy and vibration and frequency and all of this stuff. So, I started opening myself up slowly to working with adults. And through those sessions with adults, I started to get visions. And because I didn't, I'll be honest with your audience and you right now, I didn't grow up with these psychic gifts. In hindsight, I look back and I and I was very intuitive. I was very empathic, very aware. I had certain experiences that I didn't understand until now look back and I and I say, oh, that's what that was. At the time I just kept it to myself because I was already the weird girl that got bullied. Like I wasn't going to tell anybody anything. So I kind of closed that part off and I think that's what a lot of children do, which we can talk about later. And so during my sessions with adults, I started to get visions of their past lives, their guides started to come through angels, family members. And at first, and I talk about this in my first book, I didn't know if I should tell them because I was like, they going to think I'm nutty because they didn't come to me for a psychic reading. And so I kept it to myself for a while. And then I found some people where I innately just felt more comfortable with them. And I thought, well, I'm just going to tell them. And they were so receptive and they wanted to know more. And the next thing you know, they're referring me to their friends that say, oh, well, can you do that for me? Can you get information? And I was like, well, I'll try, but the focus is the healing. And then it just spiraled into something so much bigger. And then next thing you know, I was doing equal healings and equal intuitive readings. Um, and it, So the path that I've taken, um, if you look back, one is completely organic to my situation. It's transformative. It's It's uh, evolving. Some of it's dirty and, and scary and sad and some of it's in, it's enlightening and exciting and joyful and passionate and I think that's a, the beautiful thing because I couldn't have planned it better and if I asked myself at 16 when I wanted to be work with animals um, at at 42 would you want to work with children and have an education center and platform and be on you out on that. the public I would have been <laughs> like yeah No way. I don't want to do it. No, I said, yeah, exactly. No, I'm out, you know, and I think that's why life works in that way so that you can work yourself up to it because now I'm very comfortable in what I do and I wouldn't change it, but uh, I wouldn't have wanted that, you know, previously. So.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. There's so much I can say. First of all, you and I have done an 80% parallel, which is so fun. I was at tech and uh, and my mother's an animal whisperer wow but let me backtrack a little bit love um you said you moved a lot was your father in military and intelligence good question for a particular reason
1: good question so he was a engineer and he was he built flight simulators for the air force so he we moved around not because he was in the military, but he had contracts with the military, and we would move. so we lived in orlando um and d c and California were the three hubs, but within those cities we would move um so like in two years, I would have moved to maybe three different houses and a couple different schools uh and then we would move somewhere else and then and then we were there for part of the year, and then we'd go someplace else so it but it it was military focused because of the flight simulators
0: yes it feels like um, you are highly protected now the other thing I'm sure you know because of your high intuitive abilities and your super old soulness if that's a word we do design all the details of our life before coming in right but this game is forgetting that you know so we forget here and then and your path what what strikes me not all is the strength You know, you say you were shy and stuff because you were highly intuitive and sensate. But the strength of your being has never stopped. You're formidable and just plowed ahead. You also mentioned elephants. And uh, I went across to Africa, but that's not important. What's important is the elephants have the job on the land. You probably know this as the whales do in the water where they hold all the records of history. Yep. And then as they walk on the path. So you know all of that. So I'm not surprised um, that yep. you have such a love of those sacred beings. So thank you for sharing that. That is quite a journey. Were you ever labeled with any learning disorders?
1: Yes, I'll start with the learning disorders first. I, I, it was a, it, very apparent to even myself at a young age that I was challenged with school in general. I probably, if I, if my mom had taken me to get evaluated, I would have been labeled ADHD. I know that Um, I didn't want to sit still. I was quite imaginative. I did talk back to my teachers, even as a, as a young girl, and not because I was just being disrespectful I just felt like I was just saying how it was and they didn't like that I I joke in in a previous conference I did I, I almost got kicked out of kindergarten my teacher moved my desk to the front next to her desk and I remember it being so embarrassing because she made me sit next to her so I faced the class <clears throat> while she stood to me and taught and she had this really long long the longest red hair it went to like her bottom and she was impressionable on me and I still remember her and it's, interestingly, it was in D.C. And I hated I hated being there, uh, even as a young girl, which I, I, I was there at Grant, again as an adult and I never wanted to be in that city. Uh, so I knew innately something. But my point is that I was also challenged where I thought I knew in my mind, I said to myself, I remember saying this to myself as a young girl, Sherry, you're not that smart. And what I meant by that and why I said that to myself was I never really was book smart. I really had a hard time with math and uh and and retaining information because that, that's how the school system is based on it's a lot of memorization and then regurgitation and tests and i was really bad at that now you put me in something creative i was amazing in english and writing and arts and that sort of thing um i was very creative i'm a very right brain person so if you throw me in a left brain uh, kind of situation i'm i'm challenged at it now i'm much better as i've as i've gotten older because you know, survival, right, I, I have I've had to practice, but I, um I had a teacher that, that I still remember to this day, I took chemistry in um, ninth grade, so first year of high school, and, and, I, and up until that point, I, I just cruised through school, um, I wasn't a great student, I wasn't a bad student, got B's, and maybe 1A in, in gym, <laughs> and then like, you know, maybe a C on the, on the stuff that, you know, mom and dad want you to get A's on, which is like the math and stuff like that. And history, I hated history with a passion. I hated history and social studies. So I just cruised through, but never was labeled anything. And I kind of was able to cruise under the radar because one thing about me is I'm adaptable. I know how to adapt situations. I'm a survivor too. So, and I'm very, and I am very strong. So I was able to figure out what I needed to do to get by. And then I just did that no more, no less Um, But it was in high school where I really started to struggle because the the subjects got very much, much harder, more challenging. And I had this teacher come to me, this mean teacher, this chemistry teacher. And I would go in every day at lunch and I was failing chemistry. And I was trying like I actually tried, you know, I I went in at lunch every day while my friends were out, you know, having fun during lunch, socializing. And I was in her classroom one-on-one working with the teacher. And I remember one day, like it happened yesterday, I was literally in tears and I had this sheet and I'm writing these, doing these, solving these problems. And and I could I just didn't get it. No matter how she explained, I said, I just don't understand. And she looked at me and she said, Sherry, I think it's time that we talk about the fact that you might have a learning disability and we should, maybe you should talk to your parents. And I was like, oh my, that was the first time I had ever heard someone else say something out loud, you know, to validate my, my thoughts of, of being, you know, not that smart. And it was earth shattering and I cried and she's like, I didn't mean that to hurt your feelings, but I don't know what to do with you. And so that just set the tone for high school. And I really hated being in that school. I never wanted to go to school. And so I've never been labeled other than that particular point, but it, it, it doesn't matter how you're labeled or how often or by whom. But it's because it's, it's traumatic and it, and it hits home with some people in a very powerful way. And that affected me greatly. Um, what was the other question that you asked me? I'm sorry.
0: Well, um, there are just a couple things I wanted to uh, add there. Um, one of the things that I know for sure is souls coming in that are very aware and don't want to forget on some level what they know. They come in and often pick dyslexia or something like that so that they can't be programmed by schools. Yeah.
1: yeah, yes, that is correct. I wish I knew that back then when I struggled. But again, that was part of my journey. I needed to experience. Yeah,
0: well, you had to experience the whole human dynamic and what people went through, because that, of course, is the motivating thing for subject of this show
1: (laughs) that that brought you
0: to that and you wouldn't have that level of experience or empathy towards that right
1: exactly exactly right and it it was it was you know what it is too it was a dormant catalyst that i would utilize much later in my life when my children came to me that would fuel the fire within me to say all right that's it i'm not going to let this happen to them because there were subtle things that were happening to them that I was like, oh, hell no, that's not, like, we're not doing this again, and so I think that that was important, because it was, you know, dormant, and put away, tucked away in the subconscious, and it came out exactly when it needed to, so um, I, I, in hindsight, I don't regret anything that's happened to me, good or bad, because I know that they're all about learning, and so um, I use that today.
0: Good for you, and your comment about your children, let's go there, so, uh, you tell me about when you were pregnant and you had mentioned uh, in another show I heard, which I loved if you could share with that, your experience and that you were in touch with the soul of your baby. I was really touched. Yeah.
1: Um. So I had my first son, uh, my first child when I was 23, very young, definitely not ready. It was a surprise to me, but I know now that Jordan walked into my life to help me grow up. And and really changes a human being. And okay, enough being mad at the world. And he opened my heart in a profound way. And I needed that because it, up until that point, I was just you know angry and bitter and, and just not you know not the nicest person. I'll admit. And so uh, then I had my son Skylar seven years later. And that's really where my true, well, no, a couple years before that, about um yeah, a few years before that, my spiritual journey truly like kicked off and I was just knee deep in it. I wanted to learn everything. Um, so I started communicating more with angels and guides, and this is important information because I want to explain how I was able to communicate with my daughter. Cause I didn't communicate with my two sons before they came through, you know, I didn't know that necessarily that they were coming. Um, although I knew on some level, um, and so when a couple of years before I had Aramis, I was Channelling, writing journals, doing spirit circles. My mom and I had our own little spirit circle. We called it where we had a couple other people, and we would just do tarot cards and you know just have fun with it, you know, and and do channeling. And I was the channeler of the group. I I got you know a lot of information, and I communicated with the God with guides and and angels, and I was really into it. So it was it was actually in one of those spirit circles meetings that we met you know once a week at my mom's house. where I got a message from a young being and she introduced herself at, as Layla at the time and she said I will be your daughter I'm coming into your life soon now soon is an ambiguous term you know I they would never told me exactly when that was um but I knew it was within a couple of years and she said this you know I'm gonna I need your help we know each other I'm gonna do something profound in my life and I need your help and and she was letting me know and I and Basically, asking my permission. I said, I like, Yes, I, I want this. And we communicated a lot. And as soon as I got pregnant, I started a journal where I would channel information from her every single week throughout my whole entire pregnancy. And the reason that's important and profound is that she taught me more in my probably a year before I got pregnant and throughout my pregnancy, more than I have ever been taught in my entire life by a parent, a mentor, a teacher, a job, a book. She taught me, she just, it was almost like I was just getting downloads after downloads and I started to really tap into the collective and and understand every, I mean, I'm not saying I know everything, but I felt like I I just knew so much all at the same time. It was big, exactly, and I started to put all these pieces together about the world, and and children. And she taught me about the children, the sta- the, the different children. Now I'm not saying she, that nobody else was talking was talking about uh, indigos or crystals at that time, but she was the one that said, "Let me explain it to you." And I had channels, and I wrote down pages and pages of information. And it was just for me at the time. It wasn't. It wasn't until I was pretty like halfway through my pregnancy where. I, 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 she let me know actually, this information is not just for you. This information you are going to share with the world. And they, and I was told I would write many books, and, and I, I was so shy. And I was like, I'm not writing any books. Like, you know, who wants to listen to me? Um, because at that point, I really never did public speaking, I was very shy very introverted and kind of unsure of my gifts, but I was comfortable with my little group and and sharing, right? But not, you know, on a large scale, because the, to me, the public was still mean and scary, you know, like they're judgmental. So I was like, oh, okay, uh, I'll trust you, but let's see if it happens organically. And it did. Um, and she told me like literally down to the day she would be born that she would be a rainbow and what that meant and a lot about her journey. She didn't tell me everything, but we know spirit guides us in the timing that we're ready for and and the information we receive. So I I only was told enough. Um, and then as I, as she grew older, when she was a, a young girl, I started to get more information. Um, but they didn't tell me everything. So it was, it was, yeah, exactly. can't do that. They can't get away. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, keep going love. Keep going.
1: Yes. Um, so, well, so I I was, it was apparent to me when she was a young girl that she was way different than her brother. She is a rainbow. I mean, I could tell she was strong-willed from the start, you know, and, and we'll define and,
0: that later, folks. We'll get to, we'll go podcast. back in. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I said, wow, this girl is a, a real force of energy. She's not like the boys completely night and day, different personality. And I was really taken back by it in a good way, but like overwhelmed. And what I started to put together while I while she came in, I think she was a a, because children are catalysts, a catalyst for awakening our awakening. Not the only one; many that don't have children, you know, their catalysts are different things. But a, a large one for women, divine feminine, is the is childbirth and bringing children. And so for her. It was a huge awakening for me. I got more of my spiritual gifts came through more knowings and it came to me in a spirit circle again with my mom and, and, and the other women that were in it, that what I needed to do with her was I was going to create, and and again, this is my perception at the time. Mm -hmm. What I was going to do with her was to create a metaphysical center for children in my area at the time I lived in Maryland and I, and I envisioned this beautiful property that had lots of land and the children can come and you it's like a retreat where they would learn yoga and Reiki and energy and, and healing and, and crystals and tarot and pendulums and be outside and learn about the earth and grounding and I said wow that's how fun would that be and that's when I came up with divinely guided because I kept hearing divinely guided you'll be divinely guided I mean it was over and over so I said okay we'll call it divinely guided children and that was kind of in the background of what I believed that I would be uh doing with her (laughs) and now you fast forward all these years later and it's 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 that but so much more. And I and I and I think I don't think I know that it needed to happen in stages, not for everybody else, but for me to feel comfortable in what I was doing so that I wouldn't get overwhelmed. Because, again, if I had known what I would be doing, I probably would have said no, because one, I'm not an educator you know, I I don't have experience in schools or the education system other than being a mom and a room parent a couple of times. So like, who am I? You know, I also have very low ego. I'm not competitive. I don't care to fight with anybody. I'm not going to convince anybody. I try to keep things more peaceful, especially now than I did the beginning of my life. And I'm like, who am I to do that? Like, how, how is that possible? So I know, how, why they did it in stages like that. Now, around that period, uh, I started getting really unhappy in the zoo and I started to shift and that dreamy job turned into a nightmare. And why that is is because I really started to feel more connected to the animals and I thought, and I started to feel bad. And I was like, why are these animals in this zoo? Why are they here? This is not okay. I started to hate my job. I didn't want to be there. And it was really unsettling for me. So I was able to actually, I actually got promoted and I was able to go into program management. So it was more conservation and it was a wonderful job. It taught me a lot. I know I needed that job because it taught me a lot of, a lot of valuable information that I'm using today. Um, and I, and it was able to take me away from the everyday animal, um, the, the the zoo, but I really felt like my soul was dying. I did not like it at all. And so I started to I can to...
0: relate. I I can't even go to zoos without crying. Yeah. It, it's just like, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Keep going. It's, keep going. And and that's going to change and I know that yeah. we can talk it about will. that as well, the future that I that that I've been shown, but again, all necessary parts of my journey I needed to experience. So I started to work, open myself up and work more with people because I said, okay, I need to balance this out. I opened up intuitive wellness around that period of time which is my first baby. And, well, really, my second because the animal and animal attunement was first, then intuitive wellness, and I started to really put myself out there. I rented a little room in a yoga studio, and I started to do more sessions. And I got really a lot of referrals, and it just took off. And I was crying every day when I went home from work at the other job. I it was sucking the life out of me. It was very there were a lot of politics, a lot of uh, bureaucracy, stuff that I'm not that I don't want to have anything to do with, and I was so miserable. And I I did something really irresponsible. And my husband was so upset at me at the time, but I quit my job. I said, I'm out without having anything really lined up. And we have three children, a baby, you know, like what are you doing, you know, very irresponsible. It was a knee jerk reaction, but I felt wholeheartedly like it was something I needed to do. And I did it. And it was rough, you know, trying to su- support myself with those, those, those you know, sessions that I had with, with the, um with the adults here and there at the yoga studio um to help my husband supplement income. um But I felt so much better. And I, and I said, don't worry, I had this overwhelming sense of knowing everything was going to be okay. And I said, I know you don't understand, and I'm sorry, but this is what I have to do. And I promise it will be okay. And, and it was, and, and as I started to get more clients, then I got my own space. And I really had my own true wellness center that was all mine. And it and it was so beautiful. And I worked a lot with people with adults, and I helped a lot of people. And it made me feel really good because I feel like yes, I'm finally doing something that is 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 nourishing my soul. And I and I was just I was so enamored with working with beautiful people. And I was teaching classes and helping adults and even doing animal communication there as well. So I was just really loving life. And then when parents not just women, but parents started to ask me, hey, Jared, do you work with children? And I'm like, sure. Uh, It wasn't something that I had thought about. And so then the children started coming to me through the parents. I also taught hypnobirthing, um, which was a big part of why I had so many children because I worked with a lot of uh, new new parents who I helped them through the childbirth process to have a more relaxed, more empowered birth using self-hypnosis, that sort of thing. And and understanding how the body actually works and and how to work with it as opposed to against it. So I got a lot of clients through them. I taught probably over 100 100, uh, couples hypnobirthing. And so that also helped me get an influx of children in because they, they trusted me. And then I started getting labeled children. So two reasons why parents started bringing their labeled children to me. One, because they were at their wits end and they were kind of at the end of the journey as far as like, they were so frustrated. They didn't want, and they were medicated. They were not themselves. And they were like, there has to be something else. Can you help me? And then there was another group that were the more holistic and said, I don't want to get on medication. And they want, and they were trying to get ahead of it. Can you give me a spiritual understanding or understanding of what's going on? And Because they know I'm, I'm not a physician, I'm not a therapist, but they know that I was able to communicate intuitively through reading. So they said, can you talk to them and find out what's going on so I could better help them? And that's when a whole other chapter of my life opened up. And I learned so much in those years about the labeled children. And I thought, oh my gosh, people need to know this information because there is a spiritual and energetic explanation for every single thing that these children are being labeled for. And there's also a nefarious reason that these children are being suppressed. There's a whole, that's a whole other element to it. There were so many things I was discovering and it wasn't like I had, you know, my children have never been labeled necessarily. I had never been labeled other than that one teacher. So it wasn't like a passion within me. This is something that fell in my lap that I feel like I was gifted as part of my journey to help expose this information for my love and passion for children in general. And it was life-changing for me. And that's when I started writing the second book and putting all this information in it. And it it was life-changing for me. And it was epiphany for me because then I started thinking about more, more about the education system and what what they're doing to our children. Um, And I I just did a presentation where I listed at least 20. And honestly, I could list a hundred of things that they do to our children from the womb. Yeah throughout their childhood to suppress them and lower their vibration and program. So there are so many elements that parents need to know about. So I thought, gosh, I got to help. I got to do something about this. And so my divinely guided turned into the Aramis center. So around three uh, or a little before three, we we started sending her to the school that her brother had gone to a couple because they're two years apart, the middle and the, and her, and it was a Montessori school and preschool. And so she loved it. And I noticed that she would come home and she would mimic her teachers and start teaching, wanting to teach me what she learned. And she, it was like, she had this teacher demeanor with her about her. And I was like, noticing her passion with teaching me what she had learned as if I was a student of hers. And that progressed into her telling me, mommy, I'm going to be a teacher one day at like three years old. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I, I was, and I believed it. I was like, I can see that now fast forward to her being eight. Now she, her room is set up like a classroom. Her favorite thing to do is to go to, um, Michael's or Staples or some place like that to get teacher supplies. She, she has lesson plans. She has a whiteboard in her room that says, you're going to have a great day today. These are the things you're going to learn. She reads books to her, you know, I say imaginary, but she probably sees there are probably are beings in there. Who knows? Okay. Um, and she is extremely passionate about educa- education and teaching and, be- and being a teacher. And it was one day I was sitting in my office in my other home and I was designed working on the website and doing all of these things. And, and this is when the, the, we started transitioning more into education. And I had this huge download that came through. Cause I was thinking about changing the name. I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to use divinely guided children. And the only reason I had reservation is because I had a lot of people concerned that I was creating something religious and, you know, and not that I'm, I am being bullied into changing something to please others, but I kind of resonated with that in that I needed to change the name that that was a catalyst for me to change the name. And I was sitting there trying to think of names and boom, this wave of, this is for Aramis. This is her legacy. She wants to be a teacher. This is her journey. This. Then they told me. Then everything came out and they told me the rest of the story. This is what she's here to do. This is what you're which, what you're here to help her with. You're just getting it going. She will take this over and carry it generations from now. They will be all over the world and you have to call it her name. And I said, oh my God, it, I'm getting goosebumps right now because it was so, I literally ran up the stairs and told my husband, oh my God, that's what I just got. And that's how we transitioned to Aramis Creative Learning Center was because I realized this is what you asked me to help you do. I will help you do it. And that's the only thing. Well, one of the only things that keeps me going when things get really hard is I made a promise to her and I know how important it is not only to her, but the children all around the world need this. And that is my journey. And I believe, Marily, if you go in hindsight and look back, I am divinely protected. and I always have been because... I am the catalyst of her legacy and what she came here to do. Mm -hmm. And I needed to be protected my whole life to ensure that I got to a point where I could fulfill the beginning part of this mission. So it's, you know, everything comes in full circle. Uh, This is
0: such a wonderful story. Now, I'm just going to throw in here um, right before doing this show as I was waiting uh, to get on. I like acronyms. So I took Aramis a. A R A M I S and I wrote can you see that
1: Yep I love right.
0: it accessible res- resources available motivating enlightened students so so I and uh, I had the same vision uh when I tuned into you I literally uh was looking from outer space and it was like Uh, lighthouses, lights going on like this, which were all your centers. Like lighthouses all over, you know, you also have a lot of angelic energy to you, by the way.
1: Thank you. you.
0: (laughs) Now, before we move next into the the next thing, I want to bring your husband in here, too, because it appears to me that this is a very powerful multi-generational soul Uh, mission objective. Yep. So um, how'd you meet your husband? How did you know?
1: Yeah, no, my husband plays a big role in this. And and, uh, I know that we were divinely guided together, because we agreed in this whole mission together ahead of time. So we met when I was uh, right before I turned 21, he worked at a nightclub in DC. And remember, at that time, I was kind of tough and you know, didn't like people, you know, like, Sherry's mean, you know, mad all the time, you know? Um, and and he walked into my life. And honestly, I tell everybody, he saved me from myself. He was the first person to come into my life to be like, Sherry, like, just stop, you know, like, put your guard down. And he helped open me up in a way mm-hmm. that I was, that by the time, like, so I could have Jordan, you know, like he softened me up. He put brought down some of the layers. I trusted him and he was just immediately and you know the funny thing about it that night that I met him at the nightclub one of my friends dear friends that I'm still friends with to this day that I had went to high school with I told her again I'm very intuitive I I also said in high school to my friends I was going to have a son one day named Jordan and then and they couldn't believe it when I got pregnant and had a son named Jordan so when um when I got home that night uh, of that nightclub, meeting him for the first time, I told my friend, I said, I'm going to marry him one day. She's like, well, that's crazy. I said, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I, it wasn't like we, it wasn't, you know, like we only had a brief encounter the first time, but I just knew. I told her and she's like, well, we'll see. <laughs> so he plays, he plays a very big role and he's a, wor- a warrior spirit. He is a very char- exact opposite of me, by the way, charismatic outgoing everybody loves him everybody knows him he's just you know the the life of the party huge heart he has a
0: huge heart and soul. huge
1: heart Mm -hmm. huge heart very old soul as well um and but he's very tough he's very strong and i believe that we were paired together because well number one aramis and him are very connected in this in, in, in almost soulmate sense and um i believe he's our our protector uh, he's a warrior and he yeah. protects us astrally in the astral realm I'm talking about, but also in the physical. And he is here to keep us safe, but he's also it plays an integral role in the business because he is the left brain that I am not. Yeah. And so he, yeah. we complement each other and he's helping me. He's helping. I mean, he's doing this with me. So he's playing a vital role in, in this as well as the family operation, you know? And so um, he's a, he's very important
0: beautiful beautiful story because i got so strong um, that this was a huge family mission plan whole soul family mission so that's beautiful to hear that and he is very warrior it's so lovely. he has wonderful energy yeah it's it's there's almost like arjuna energy to him i don't know what it is it's just very loving but no nonsense
1: yeah i've been told exactly who they all are and let's just say i'll just lead you in the path of greek mythology let's just leave it at that
0: yes yes the gods of old yep yeah that's who i'm running into right and left honey so yep yeah and i also i'm only attracted to people on the shows that are connected that way for some reason it's my destiny Yeah. so So, um okay now you did mention montessori schools that uh, for your kids now up to this point generally there are only two alternative schools folks that you have heard about the Rudolf steiner who's a brilliant multi-leveled being um waldorf schools and montessori schools and um so that was kind of your your two choices and they were great schools but how does your aramis schools or aramis centers differ from those two philosophies or do they
1: yeah yeah it's it's interesting because there's a third option and i want to explain the difference because mine kind of falls in between the two so we have the montessori and the waldorf schools which are wonderful and i think that they were appropriate for their time and they were much needed and they served a very large purpose in in our evolution as far as education Um, but they are still structured some degree and um there there there's still a curriculum where you have Sudbury. and there's there's a school Sudbury that opened in the in america in i can't remember if it was 60 something like that i can't remember i apologize um but their model is zero curriculum it's completely 100 self-directed learning so the child can come into this big house Design school and building, and they literally can do whatever they want. So if they're if they want to come and play outside on the playground for the first four weeks of school, like no, there are no there are no classes, no teachers that are necessarily there to teach classes. It's okay. Um, this person, Mister whatever, might be in the computer lab if children happen to wander there and want to learn about computer science. Then they're there to guide them. Um, if there's somebody that's interested in cooking, they might wander into the kitchen and learn about cooking it's completely 100 child directed so they decide what they want to learn and what they want to do there's no guidance necessarily and it and it's to me it sounds like a groundbreaking idea but I was like ooh, I, I do have a little bit of OCD in me so I was like gosh no structure like maybe maybe a little bit <laughs> you know and then we have Waldorf which is also on self-directed and and more lenient, allowing the children to learn at their own pace, more arts and more right-brained activities. Um, But still there's the structure there. There's still the curriculum. They still, they, they didn't do testing for a while, but a lot of the Waldorf, I have a lot of Waldorf parents and Montessori parents that are clients. And they're telling me that they're unhappy and they've even, many have pulled them out because it's turning to be out to be a little bit more like, it's almost been corrupted a little bit and it's not what it used to be. So there's a lot of parents that are frustrated with that. Now I'm not saying every Waldorf everywhere, but I would say a good portion of the clients are telling me that they're not what they used to be. So when I was designing Aramis, I thought to myself, well, I'd love to fall somewhere on the spectrum of Sudbury and, and Montessori and somewhere in, in, in the middle. And what I mean by that, it, and, and also the one element that they're all missing is the spiritual component and i'm not talking about religion the only difference between mine and i haven't found anyone yet that's doing this um, on a scale that i would like to know maybe there's smaller centers randomly around the world that are doing it and its private but i'm talking about to the scale that i would like to create that i am manifesting there isn't any center that or an education-based center that incorporates spirituality at all and to me it's vice versa it's that should be number one and everything is secondary and that's where i started because remember i wanted to create divinely guided children metaphysical center <laughs> and then i and then i was like well let me sprinkle in some uh, some uh core core classes with that and then i started getting input from homeschool parents and then parents that were frustrated with the school system because a lot has happened in the last few years understandably that people are paying more parents are paying more attention and realizing the corrupt nature and all of the things that, that they're frustrated with are coming to the forefront and they're contacting me and saying, you know, what about this? What, what if we try this? And I don't believe in competition. I believe that this is a co-creation and I'm just the catalyst. I'm just the person that signed up to like, kind of get everything going, but it's certainly not all my idea. And if anything, a lot of the ideas that I've come up with are parents and children that have said, this is a, cause I asked the children, what do you want? What do you want this to look like? Yeah. And I'll write it yeah. down. This is not my idea, yeah. And so, I think that, or what what they're showing me rather is the fundamental spirituality and the foundations of unity and oneness, understanding that they're that we're in a multidimensional reality, connecting to the to energy, frequency, vibration. So it's not just woo woo. I'm talking about the fundamentals of living in this planet and recognizing that we're multidimensional beings, that we have a light body. What does that mean? What is energy? What is vibration? Why or how do our emotions affect that vibration every moment of every second of every day? And how can we navigate through that? What are things that we can do to manage the emotions, tapping, breathing, grounding, etc. So these are things that children should be learning as like right away from day one from day one. And, and so it, that's the core f- fundamentals. That's the foundation. And then you start adding, because one of the biggest questions that I've received from my own children and other children, why do I have to learn this? Yeah. And I always tell them <laughs> you don't, you don't. And cause it's all about them. I mean, we know that the system, it's, it's about programming and money and memorization and, 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 putting them all in an assembly line to go into the matrix and be adults and, and, you know, the whole thing. And that's why we have the standardized testing and all of this to make them feel like they need to compete. And there's stress put through their body at a young age that never stops. So if we take out the grades, grade levels, we take out the grading as you know, so we're not going to testing and grading is gone, no no standardized testing, no state testing. If you take all of those elements away, now they're just free to learn at their own pace. Then you take that one step further and you add health and wellness. So each one of the centers will not only have classes that are mostly outdoor, weather permitting, but also indoor, lots of windows. These centers will not look like a prison and will have health and wellness units that children will want to go to. I'm talking biofeedback yeah. machines, crystal therapy, uh, salt lamp, salt lamps, salt rooms, bio, uh, bio mats on the table. You know, kid comes in, my tummy here, It's Oh, go lay on the bio mat for 20 minutes. Nice, warm crystal bio mat. You know, we teach them energetically what's what's going on with you and and why you're feeling this way, why you have a headache. It's a. It will be a beautiful, tranquil space for children to come meditate to work with crystal sound healing all sorts of things then we have the animal component where the horses came to me and actually the horses told me they were the ones that taught me the keepers and protectors of the land are the elephants and the horses and the <laughs> whales and the dolphins are that of the sea yep and so that what the what the, do, what, what the horses told. yeah and what the horses told me because obviously we can't do this with ele- elephants because they're not everywhere but <laughs> But horses are, are the ones that w- will work with, with the yeah. children. And they are here to help reestablish the animal and human bond and connection. And that I needed to make sure to incorporate horses and other animals, of course, in every center, again, weather perm- permitting, um, that I can and, and put the animals and the children together. Let them learn together. Let children do art next to the horses. It may not have anything to do with the horses, but having them have a, be around animals and reestablish the respect, the boundaries, the connection. They, of course, they could do animal communication, but it's also animal science, taking care of the horses, understanding or understanding what they need, their food requirements, weather and, and how they acclimate. And then we learn about animals in general and migration and all of this beautiful stuff. We also have a lot of, we'll have a lot of outdoor, you know, fundamentals, gardening, how to grow your own food and allow them to grow their own food. Allow them to make lunches in the school, so the children will, with adult supervision, will make the the lunches for the for the entire uh, school that day. So, imagine the university level how they have a schedule of classes. Let's say for 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 a semester, but in this case, we'll do it month to month. Where a parent and a child, we can because this is this is there's a trinity here. We want this to be not only the child. But the parent and the mentors, which is what we call teachers, to all work together. Yes. So there's no hierarchy. And the parents will be very involved, but the children have a very large say. In one who we hire, what classes and subjects we teach, how we teach it, because it needs to be, they need to learn in a way where they understand why they're learning it, like the question that I just mentioned previously. So it's real life relatability. So they're learning math while they're cooking. That's fun because they're doing something. They understand why they're doing it and learning becomes fun. So the parent and the child see what classes are available throughout the month and they pick and choose. So let's say, you know, Sherry is offering um, these art classes, you know, every Monday from these hours. You're, okay, all right. My daughter wants to check, I'll sign up for that one. And then spiritual sciences in this lab with this mentor from this time. And you basically pick your schedule for the month and it there's no minimum classes. Your child could go for one hour once a week if they want. I There's no micromanaging, there's no curriculum. So the child goes as minimum, minimum hours as they want based on the parents and them agreeing what they want to do um, to as many as they want during the week, as long as there are classes offered. And this will empower the children to one, want to go to school, be a part of what they choose to learn and they will naturally evolve in their fundamentals of, of what they what what they should be learning um and they'll they'll grow up more well-rounded, happy, adjusted adults when they walk into the into the real world, they'll be in a much better place with with a lot of the foundational skills that adults these days are missing because they didn't get that opportunity.
0: Yes. And beautifully said a hundred percent in alignment i was a why baby i asked why with everything you know and and it was like why you know it's like when you're an old soul you're like uh oh because i told you so And i'm like no that doesn't work so right right so um now is this what you call boutique style learning where they're go ahead
1: Well, so the boutique style learning, where that came into play is that some centers will be bigger than others based on the land. So, and also each state or city might do, so this can't be franchised. I don't want this to be franchised. What I, what I am looking for is flexibility and it needs to be organic and it needs to be ever changing. So what we do one year might shift a little bit the next year. I don't want there to be rigidity. Uh, That's when we get into trouble. Yes. So boutique style learning just means that based on the city and the area that 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 particular center is in, we are going to cater to what works there and it might not be what works. So in Florida, where it's beautifully sunny all most of the year and like, you know, what, what, what plants grow here, et cetera, what animals we can have here might be different than Massachusetts, not might is. And so each center will just be very unique, but along the same lines. Um, but it's going to cater to that unique community, that state, the demographic. And then we'll, I'll have mega centers, what I call mega centers. I don't really like that word, but for lack of a better term, right now, what I mean by that is the larger ones. Um, and those will likely be places where, I have, where there'll be more land, like Texas, for instance. And that will be a very, probably a 30 acre property, and it might have housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might host very large retreats and seminars and it might host the apprenticeships and things like that because we have more space. So boutique is just more of a, is a term that I'm trying to use as it's just, it's unique and it might differ depending on where you go with the same principles.
0: Right, ultra centers or or whatever. Well, my favorite combo I was trying to, uh, as you were talking, feel into it is I I think my, for me and probably true for most people uh, is you need structure and then freedom within structure.
1: Exactly. 100%. That, that's
0: how I would say it. I think the ideal for most people is freedom within some structure.
1: Yeah. Because I don't want the children to just, you know, get dropped off and they're roaming the halls with nothing to do. Like, I want them to have some sort of purpose, some sort, but but something that they've chosen. So they're happy with their yeah. schedule.
0: Yeah. And they'll be impassioned and want to go rather than... Um, You know, and some people, this needs to be said, some people do really well in traditional schools. Absolutely. My my older sister did. For me, I got A's. I had to study three times harder than anybody else. And it was boring and I learned nothing. I felt the same about history because I knew it was a lie. I felt the same about science and chemistry. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. So I totally relate to all your stories. So I got through it, but nothing I use today, I learned in school, nothing for me. In the traditional school uh what i learned is the social stuff and like you were talking about like the ugly part of the female energy which is clicks and competition and biting and you know you learn all of that and it's a process so i can't tell you how excited these schools are um overdue and i already have someone who's going to be a perfect fit with a ranch and 50 horses in australia an entire family that will be a future guest surprise, and their entire family with eight kids is full awake, new children. So I can't wait to turn Love you them. on to them. So because um, you also have two teachers, Carrie and or or Car- in Australia, correct?
1: Oh, Carly and Julia. Carly and they are. They are my creative directors. They don't teach classes, but they basically help me run the show. They are an integral part of the operation. And I can't wait for them to be able to move to the States to, uh, to help me because they're going to move here and help me run the first one and then travel around the world to help open all the other ones. So they are perfect. They are very important.
0: Perfect. And your first one's opening in Florida. That's why you moved to Florida, right? You've got a message to go to Florida too.
1: Yeah. I actually oh. had people vote. I put a, I put a, huh. um, what's that called a survey out uh-huh. uh, a back, and I said you know because I, I was getting a following and a lot of people knew what it was what it what I'm creating and I I said well where do you want these centers I want to put it at a vote and the number uh the feedback that I got of I don't know almost a thousand people at this point was number one was Florida number two was Texas and number three was California so I said okay well Florida and I luckily it was a place that I wanted to live <laughs> So it worked out in that regard. And I know there are no accidents. Like I know why now there's more to it than that, but I know now why the universe guided me here. And it's so profound. So we moved here and, and for the purpose of opening the first physical location. Now the, the online virtual classes have been running for two and a half years now, even a little bit before that, but it wasn't necessarily public. And, and so it's, it's, beautiful. And that's what Carly and Julie helped Julia help with. We have a lot of mentors that teach Zoom classes uh, through through the virtual component. But we really are we really want to get the physical location open here in this vicinity of Palm, West Palm Beach area vicinity. No, don't know exactly where it's going to be yet, but I, I chose an area that had more inland would have more land to choose from, but not be too far away from everything. And so that's what we're working on next. And my my manifestation is to open it in 2023 now that we're already in 2023 i'm like let's bring it you know like let's do this
0: there's two things that pop up for me one a lot of you already have your kids in school so you can do both you can have your kids in school and then you can also have them go to a couple online classes or one extra online classes if they have time so there can be a transition um slowly and have them choose you know what they want. Yeah. But I want to. I want to quickly. I'm going to run through uh, a list of classes that she offers, so you have a sense of the breadth, depth, and range of these classes. If this is the exactly the school that I would have wanted to go to, so there's an introduction to spirituality. There's quantum energy and manifesting. There's astrology and astronomy. There's dream interpretations. Crystals, animal kingdom, plant kingdom, communicating through energy and vibration. Uh, Reiki intuitive energy healing, health and chakra balancing, animal communication and healing. What to do for healthy body care and empowerment, uh, meditation, breath work, yoga, movement, stretch, dance, essential oils, natural medicine, uh, sound healing, reflexology, intuitive e- eating and nutrition. So you learn to listen to your own body and health, heart movement and stress, muscle testing, and then intuitive. And you might think, oh, for those of you thinking, think that's woohoo, which I don't think are going to be any of my audience. Um, <laughs> I think <Yes>. My <laughs> audience is going to be on it. Intuitive living and life skills. So they also include um, math. And science and reading and writing, intuitive eating and cooking, introduction to money and finance, working with wood and other media, electricity, safety, technologies, computer science, mechanics, engineering, Tesla, Nikola Tesla, my favorite, magnetism, sewing, making clothes, preparing for jobs, interviews, and skill building. So yes, your answer is, will they be prepared for life? They'll be better prepared for life. Absolutely. One of my pet peeves was when I was young, I went, all this school should be arranged in apprenticing at that time, you know, this was like 30 years ago, I went because here's an example, I'm a body worker masseuse for 43 years. So people have gone to massage school, they spent two years, tons of money, they start doing massage or deep tissue, they last three months before they get carpal tunnel and everything else. This would have been all avoided. If we had the opportunity like your schools provide for apprenticing, you get in there, you feel it, you go, wow, is this a fit? Will my body hold up? Is it you know, match all these things. So uh, collaboration, team building, leadership and becoming a mentor And, and so much more. So you can see how exciting this is. And it is a true preparation for ongoing life. But the biggest thing is the children who you have them inner access themselves all the time because the addiction and the darker elements want you constantly focus and addicted to everything outside you so so it's i'm so excited for that i guess you can tell i'm excited <laughs>
1: yeah i love that yeah
0: so well, uh, go ahead
1: well just one thing i want to make sure i preface because i i don't want to i will get emails asking them um, A lot of the classes you listed, this is what we are going to make sure we implement in the in-person centers. But a lot of that we do incorporate now if we think we're able to relay the appropriate information through a virtual Zoom platform, which isn't always easy. But we have been surprised in a positive way how many creative classes that we have created over the last few years. So every single month, we have a, an array of new topics. Every single month, it's different. And it's whatever the mentors that we have come up with new ideas within the same, within different scopes or different subject matter, whether it's spirit science, um, mindfulness, math, or the metaphysical stuff, or even extraterrestrial, either psychic abilities, astrologies, et cetera. So every month, we try to make it more fun and engaging. Um, so right now, as it stands, this is very extracurricular. So a lot of our target audience uh, is our homeschoolers and or traditional um, children that go to traditional private or public school, but are not learning the things that they really want to learn. So their parents sign them up for this stuff on the on the weekends or afternoon, so that they can supplement their learning with something that they enjoy. That's how it is right now. It's not curriculum. It's you don't have to sign up for a membership. It's one. It's all a cart. Whatever you find that you might see something. I have parents sign up for like 15 classes one month, the next month they sign up for a couple. And it it's, it goes with the flow of, the, of their family environment and what it is that they want and what they want and need. When we open the physical center, that's when we'll be able to offer much more variety in person, like the woodworking and some of the other skill buildings and the gardening and things like that. But we try our best now to, do, to, to teach a lot of these subjects through Zoom. And our teachers have, mentors are very creative. We've done cooking classes, dance classes. My, I have a vocal class that just came out and my daughter likes to sing. And when Dr. Dan is our new uh, a new mentor and he just did a class with her yesterday, a private one to see what it was like. And she was so excited. She said, mom, can we do this every day? So I think it's gonna be a hit. So now we're incorporating singing and then and he's also gonna do dance and music. So we try our best to do as much as we can with the virtual component right now because we don't want them to be limited to just West Palm Beach. That's not fair to everyone else. We want everybody all over the world to experience this now which is why we offer Australian time zone, UK time zone and the American time zone. So we're trying to cater to as many children as we can and we try to keep the prices very reasonable.
0: And uh, what are the prices approximately Are the costs? Most-
1: most of the classes are 29.99 for for an hour we also have a digital library where we i have worked with the with the mentors to doubt to record themselves doing the exact same class without the audience and putting it in our library so that parents that aren't able to ever make the time or their schedules too much they just simply download the class and it's like 11 dollars 22 dollars and we use angel numbers, so it's 1111 or 2222. And yeah. then they can have that information and they can replay it as much as they want. And that's really popular as well uh, with, with the families because then they, it's kind of their own little library they've created.
0: This is so, my heart is just like, this is so powerful and so fun. And this way it stays organic, flowing, and it's like people are designing their own recipes exactly. in the moment. That's how I see it. It's like recipes for health. And and
1: our mentors have complete autonomy to create their own curriculum. Everyone asks me, what's your curriculum? We don't have a curriculum and that will either make people really uncomfortable or they're really excited. And like you said, you brought up an important point a few minutes ago. There's absolutely nothing wrong necessarily with the traditional style, if it works well for your child. Now, the programming element and all of that, I still don't believe in, but I think that regardless of where your child falls and what your, uh what your likes and dislikes are for them or what your, what your journey is, the the paradigms are collapsing. Education is one of them, regardless of if you're comfortable or not, there are changes that are going to occur and years to come, we are going to see a huge shift. Now, there may be more academic academically driven schools that will remain maybe they will be private but what I'm creating I'm trying to offer every everywhere as a free opportunity eventually when it's open uh, once the humanitarian aspect of our world really shifts and it's it's an alternative it's an option it's not a one-size-fits-all approach and it's okay if somebody doesn't like it They don't have to, I'm just trying to create options for those that don't like what their child is experiencing now and they want something different.
0: Thank you. And the child will direct that too. I mean, you could have three children in your family and one is great and more traditional stuff, loves it, whatever, you know, and the other two are going, oh my God, mom, I can't wait to go to school. We're going to do this. I can't wait for this class. You know, that's how it should be following your excitement. So thank you so much for that. And that clarity was really important to add. Now, the other thing you do, which is wonderful, is you divide, uh, instead of just going to a class where everyone's eight years old and everyone's nine years old and everyone's 10 years old, and everyone's 11 years old, um, you divide them up into groups 4 to 10 years young I prefer to say you're young uh 8 to 13 10 to 15 15 to 18 and 18 to 22. So to explain to people the advantage of not of that and why you do that.
1: Yeah this is a really important point and we we call it the Aramis stages of learning And the reason we designed that is because the children were the ones that came to me and said, we need to be able to be together. And I also agreed with that wholeheartedly. So it was something that I was already thinking about because I can see it every day. When you allow an older child to come in and teach a younger child, the younger children love to to learn from the older children, but also the younger children like to feel empowered to, to teach the older child something that they know, even if the older child already knows it. And so I wanted to, I wanted to create an opportunity where we get rid of the grade levels and it's just a relaxed environment where let's say, um, you know, we're offering an animal communication class, uh, with, with what the horses in the field, uh, once a week instead of saying, Oh, well, only seven and eight year olds can interact with each other. This might be open to all ages. So there won't be developmental stages for that. It might be anybody that wants to sign up if you're five. Or you're 16. We'll figure it out. Uh, there's flexibility, but for the for the majority of the of the classes to create structure, some sort of structure, uh, we we created the Aramis stages of learning where we just decided to have de- developmental groups, uh, and these are not rigid. By the way, these again everything is flexible. So when I say four to 10 years old are the foundational group, that doesn't mean that that 11 year old can't be in that group. If that 11 year old, uh, what's the word mature, maturation wise, or whatever the way I say that, um, might feel more comfortable with a with a younger group, then, then by all means that, that, that child can stay with the, that group. And if there's a five, six year old that's like way ahead and wants to, and wants to go in with the eight to 13, it's fine. But it was a way where we could have some sort of structure where the parents would feel some sort of comfort in knowing where their child would be going, but we want them to overlap. So there will be a lot of opportunities of all ages, especially with sports. I want to create, I would like for the c- sports to be fun. Again, I'm not non-competitive, healthy competition is okay, but I, but non truly non-competitive and allow all the children to play together. And hmm. um, because I, uh, my children were in the park the other day playing, uh, with kids, they were playing a, a a soccer game that just you know they just came together randomly groups of kids and it was this youngest was probably five and then there was a 14 year old girl and you know I'm like that's how it should be they should be all playing together so the developmental stages are just a a unique way to to group children with similar ages but very flexible so that they are exposed to children that are youth or, or other children that are in similar ages but not feeling like they're sex. So segregated. Oh, that's a third grader. I can't talk to that. I mean, and this happens all the time. Oh, she's a fifth grader. He's, a, Oh no, they're first grade. I don't talk to first graders. I'm a second grade. Like we got to get, get that out. We have to change that.
0: And, and, less, now, and less clicky too, you know, yeah. it prevents that. And then the older ones can act as mentors also and help. And right. Like, right. Yes. I and I
1: also that. want to give an opportunity for the children to teach because my my daughter, for instance, wants to be a teacher. And she asked me every day, mommy, when can I teach a class? What she wants to teach right now. So I it got me thinking that, sure, why not? And, wh- and how that would work is, let's say she's taking a mindfulness math class and she really is into math. She's not. She doesn't like math, but I'm giving you an example. And she wants to take over a lesson plan or part of that day. I think that's okay. And if there are children that want to do that, then they should be provided the opportunity to, to show their leadership skills. Uh, and the, the mentors are really more there um, as mentors. That's why I chose the word mentors. And instead of this hierarchy, because I also don't want this division of child and teacher where children are scared of their teachers. Yeah. Um, I want them to be more like friends and mentors and work together and like each other. And yeah. so it's, it's a much more relaxed environment
0: equanimity equality those are all soul consciousness approaches so so beautiful
1: so the the mentors that we have currently what we do is they get a percentage of the profits of the of the class and so again i am the i am not a micromanager i never have been i love to give my mentors creative autonomy, as long as it's within certain boundaries. And of course we, we watch over what they do. Um, but they really run with it and they have a great time because they're like, really, I could do that. Like, you don't, you don't mind. I'm like, no, do what you want. I don't know about that subject. You teach the children what you think is best. And, and so they have more of this freedom. And so they really enjoy it. So they do get paid off of a percentage of however many children reserve book that particular class. Um, and it works really well. So I, I will say none of us are doing this for money. In fact, um, for a profit, you know, in fact, for the first year of Aramis, I paid for everything. Mm -hmm. I paid for the website. I paid for all the upkeep. I paid for the legal fees. I paid out of my pocket to create the animation because I believed in this vision and I, and I, and the money that I was making with my energy sessions, I I use that money to pay to fund this. I never asked anybody for help. And it wasn't until I started asking for donations and started the, the Aramis Collective, which is our nonprofit that supports not only the Aramis Creative Learning Center, but also the other two. Um, projects that we're working on, Sky Universal and Jordan Media and Publications to help us fund the animation, the books, virtual reality center that we're creating and everything and to help give our our mentors more money Um, and, and I also have a staff, we have assistants, we have Carly and Julia that need to get paid so you know, it's, it's a huge operation. And, and so nobody really does this for money. No. Every mentor that is in our, in our family as, and myself, my husband and Carly and Julia do it because they genuinely want to help and they don't care about money. I've even had mentors tell me, I don't even want to get paid. So the, to that, I have, I've have a lot of volunteers that have reached out. Now we don't have a lot of volunteer positions at this time, and it's not because I'm saying we don't need help, but until we open the, the physical centers, there really isn't a lot for volunteers to do necessarily right now. But I keep telling them, just wait, we will need volunteers, just not yet. Yes. Um. So we kind of, we're kind of building the ship as we fly it. And I think that's exciting. It is exciting.
0: And it takes a lot of courage and a lot of inner trust. And you have a lot of inner trust and trust of the team, So thank you, because I was going to ask about the funding and, and how you finance that. And so we'll get to contact information at the end of the show. So all those are really, really important. It's just so thrilling to see the the cuz that's what's happening we know that the old structures are collapsing and we have to do things in a new way and you are a profound example of that so we were talking about the developmental ages which i appreciate having a bachelor of science in child development and uh of the groups of 4 to 10 and 8 to 13 so just briefly i'm going to say a age group and i'd like you just to educate our audience a little bit on For those that don't know, what that age group, what the focus is, and what you're kind of providing for that age group, would you be willing to do that? Sure. Okay. So four to 10 years young.
1: So think about the foundational beginnings, you know, of of these young children coming in and ready to learn. So this is really more of a foundational platform where they're just being exposed you know, like they're 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 really being exposed. So it's very um very light, you know, and it's like let's do some art, let's go out and play with the animals, let's learn how to interact with each other, let's learn how to be social, let's learn how to be respectful, let's learn about our physical body and our and our mental body, our emotional body. Let's learn about all of that. So it's more about like letting them and the parents explore different things. there's no there's no requirements, no minimum, no nothing. It's all about getting them to learn what it's like to be around other children in a learning and educational environment. And so it's very relaxed, it's very relaxed. And it's all about getting them ready, you know, in a time that they feel comfortable and they don't feel like many children do put off in the first few years. And then it sets the tone for the rest of it. And it just gets harder and harder every year. And I see that with my own children. They're like, mommy, it's so much harder. It gets yeah. harder. You know, why is it so hard? Why do we, you know, and we will never have homework, by the way, unless it's something that they want to do. Of course, if there's something that they're working on that they want to continue at home, but they're like those types of things need to go. So that's really what the four to 10 age group is. Now, if the child is more advanced and by six, seven years old, they're, they're like, really interested in certain things, then perhaps they jump into the next foundational, the next uh, developmental stage, because they're more mature, and they're more explorative, and they want to do something else. Um, so again, these are really rough estimates, because once we get down and we really start working, we might have to adjust. And that's okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. But this gives people an idea. Uh, so eight to 13 years old grouping development.
1: So eight to 13 is more, we're at this point, we are focusing more on life skills. So they, we're going to do a little bit more cooking. We're going to be a little bit more, uh, uh, we're going to develop the foundation of, of gardening, agriculture, a little bit more in depth. So whatever they were learning in the first classes, it's, it's more of an intermediate. So we're learning more, we're building upon it. And the whole idea in the first few developmental stages is, is about exposure and foundation, learning the things that are necessary and important. And as they start in this group, in this developmental stage of eight to 13, they're really gonna start to focus on what, or, or develop their interests. And they're gonna start saying to mom, I really love art. I really love animal science. I really love math. I really love creative writing. And, and you're, they're gonna start to have some core focus although they will always maintain the extracurricular, like, Oh, I I really love math and they're very analytical and cognitive and, and brainiacs, but then they want to, they want to do some sports. They want to learn about crystals too. That's okay. It's it's completely unique and authentic for each child to, to build their, their experience, but life skills, I feel like it's going to be an important period in which they start to fine tune what it is that they're interested in and, and kind of, Figure out their path a little bit, which is exciting. You know, one, I wanna I want to pivot really quickly because one of the biggest challenges I find with teens that I work with, and even my own, who's about to graduate high school and and is afraid to go into college because he's like, "Mom, how are we supposed to decide before college what we want to major in?" And I agree with that, and I I struggled with that, and and he he said, "I have no life experience necessarily. How do I know if I want to major in psychology?" or cybersecurity. what if I don't like it you know and and they shouldn't have to decide so here lies what I'm trying to to envision from a young age how we can combat that by exposing them to so many different things so by the time they're teens and young young teens they kind of already have an idea and they're going to know at that point uh, to some degree, what they like and what they don't like, as opposed to how it is now when they're in high school and they leave and they have no idea, they really don't because they weren't really exposed because their school is so focused on stuff they don't need. All these levels of math that many of which many of us will never need to use, or these different history classes that they're they're not interested in learning about. It doesn't really matter. It's a lot of wasted time or science classes. That like I've never used chemistry in my life. Like honestly, like I, it was a complete waste of my time. Yeah. Algebra two, why did I need algebra two trig? So like exactly. you know, it, but then there are some that love it and would yep. love to take chemistry every single day. Okay, well that's great for them because that's probably something that they're going to need in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but shouldn't force everybody to do all of these things because then they be, develop resentment and then they don't retain any of the information. So sorry, that was kind of a pivot.
0: No, that's really important because ultimately we're all one being subdivided for maximum different unique experiences is the point, right? So, uh-huh. um, and of course, you're even teaching how to count money at that age and and things like that. I mean, it's it's very practical. But I am so with you. I picked my major one. Uh, I had compassion uh, for um, people who had physical handicaps, but. I picked my major based on the one with less math and science, right? Like, oh, that's a really good reason. And again, nothing I learned other than the social wisdom I've applied. And I never even liked reading. And then after college where I could actually do what I wanted, I started reading a book every two days and never stopped. Research for 43 years. So it would be... So nice to, and and the thing is, is pe- souls and beings will naturally go what they're good at, what their mission is. They'll be guided that way. Yeah. So, so, and that's how it should be.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. So I'm with you, hon. Okay. 10 to yeah. 15 years developmental.
1: So if you take the next group, the, you know, these are fi- vital years too, because now we're in the teen years and at this point they're exploring. They're really exploring, like, like I mentioned before, uh, you know, this child really is into the math and and numbers. So we're going to design or they're likely, or they're, we're going to guide them likely to take more classes with that component involved. So maybe a majority of the classes that they take are gonna be um, math in some way, but math in different, um, math in a way where it's life relatable, so yep. that they're learning it in in a, in, a, in an array. So it's not like algebra, algebra two trig, geometry. It's not like that, but it's more real life relatability. So they're using real math for real life stuff. And they do, and they immerse themselves in that because they're really exploring. Like if I like math, what can I, how far can I take it? So they're going to focus a lot of their time and energy on that particular subject. Now, it may be like my daughter, she is an artist. She loves art. So maybe she is going to focus on the creative element she's going to do creative writing she's going to do a lot of art and crafts and things like that she's going to explore that arena to see is it something i like enough that this is my passion is in life and what can i do with it and have mentors that can say okay these are the things in life that you can do with art uh with with the, this art and this information so it's it's about fine tuning now what it is that they like and and it's okay if they get to a point where the, they they say oh i don't think I like this anymore. Okay, great. Well, what else? Let's try something else. So it's really more fine tuning their focus in a in a certain path while still exploring and having fun doing other things. But it's a time for them to really uh, deep dive into the area that they're passionate about, because perhaps that's what they're going to focus their life on later. So it's almost like pre-college. Um, yeah, really so like, a,
0: and also my passion was apprenticing. So create a pathway to the apprenticeship stage, which develops, like you say, their future potential, right? Absolutely. So, which is really important to have that. So that was the, was that the 10 to 15 year
1: group? Right? Yes, that was 10 to 15. So next is uh, 15 roughly to, 18. to 18. And if you think 15 to 18 is like the high school years, you know, at that point, I think they should already be doing because we're not we're not giving enough credit to the potential of these children. So I think at that point, we start the apprenticeship. So at this point, they are pretty solid after the that last stage of exploring. I am really this is what I think I want to do. And now we start creating apprenticeships where we have professionals that work with us to create classes that are really like immersive 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 um i also apprentice and the apprentice um in the transitioning stage are both overlapping in in the sense that that's when i envision collaborating with different companies that i don't even know what will exist at that point because so many are corrupt and collapsing but let's just say if your child is into engineering and, and space uh, I'll part, we would partner up with uh, Starlink and uh, Tesla technology, and they would allow our children to go in, perhaps even go into their locations and start working uh, with them or they have their their staff come and teach our children here in our workshops. And then when they get to that 18 to uh, 18 plus, 18 to 22, instead of wasting time in college, it's more about creating a transition of maybe a, perhaps an internship or a trade school. Uh, because I believe, and I was told years ago, before I knew any of this, before I had decided to do this school, this this, this, this these centers, um. I was told that universities would, would no longer exist by the time my son would be going to college. Now, he's about to go into college, but I feel like we are at that point, actually, where it might happen that fast but maybe not as quickly as i that as i was told and so what i what they were telling me is we'll have trade schools we'll have something different where jordan right now my oldest if he doesn't know what he wants to do and he said i'm interested in these three things yeah. wouldn't it be fabulous if he had an opportunity to go study and try immersively that one thing oh i hate it okay well, let's go try this other thing right. Oh, I love this, mom. Okay, good. Now you focus your attention on that and you immerse yourself and we have connections and partnerships with companies all over the world because it it behooves them because then they can recruit them into a job immediately and or or, um, refer them out to other companies that are similar to them. And we all work together. This is a collaboration. And so I kind of explained the transition and the apprenticeship together. Um, in, that, in that explanation. So I apologize for that. But they really do overlap.
0: You don't need to apologize. They do overlap. And it's so important, like I said, and you said that they, because some people go, oh, I have a vision. And then they get out into the world and they're like, uh, like when I had an EMT training, they wanted me to observe at a hospital for, you know, 12 hours. Just looking at that, I'm like, oh my God, this place is so dysfunctional. Right, <laughs> and they yeah. almost kicked me out because I was singing with the the patients, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. But even having a day of observation, or I spent a day in chiropractic school just to observe. You know, it it, it it's like, oh my god, this was really different than what I envisioned. Right? So so right. all these things are really important. Now, what about the eighteen to twenty-two developmental? So
1: that, so at that point. That's when they will will be going into these companies, their facilities, and it would be less on campus and more partnerships. um except if we have those larger centers, like I talked about in Texas, where perhaps we have worked something out where we have um, we have collaborated some sort of workshop that's let's let's say it has their name on it and it's sponsored by them, and it's on cam- on campus. So they don't have to necessarily go anywhere or move, um, but that's when they branch out and and maybe um, maybe a young girl is thinking about being a veterinarian, and we work with better vets around the uh, around the uh, city that in that particular area, and they get to shadow or they get to like you said, be with them for a weekend or a week and, and volunteer and and see if they like it, expose them, let them go to uh you know work with lawyers. Uh, at that time, whatever that's going to look like, maybe they're they're very entrepreneur like, and they want to create their own business. Well, we have professionals that will come and sit with them and help build their model, help them tr- what's trial and error. This is what works, what doesn't work. It's it's all about allowing these children to explore so much that when they walk out and they are going into their, in the world, 20, 21, 22, they are empowered. They know exactly what they want to do. They're focused. They don't have this huge debt or this huge, or this fear of, Oh, four years of university. And then I'm going to come out in debt and then I won't be able to get a job. Like there will be none of that because I also know that the money system is changing and how we look at money and how we are directed by money and limited by money now is going to change and we yes. are going to be guided to do things because we want to do it and we're passionate about it and not because we're getting paid for it. And I'm trying to tell my son Jordan that now I said Jordan do not choose something based on money. I want you to think about would you enjoy doing this particular thing for an extended period of time and does it fulfill your passion and if if the answer is yes, then it doesn't matter what the money is don't look at it don't choose um because you want to do something that you love and that's why i love to i you as you know veterinary technicians make no money you get burnt out you're getting yelled at all all the time and it's really hard work and you get bit by animals you know there's a love. there's amazing parts of it too but you it's hard work and you don't get paid at all very much so nobody does that because they want to be rich um, but I went along that path because I followed my heart and my gut and I said, I love animals. That's what I want. And I loved it. And yeah. money's never really mattered to me that much. So it wasn't a big deal. And I don't want my son to make the mistake of thinking I need to choose something right. where I'm going to make a lot of money because he may not be happy with what he chooses. It's all about flexibility. And I said, Jordan, you're 17, about to turn 18. You're going to change your mind maybe five more times. And that's why the, eight, the transitioning group from 18 to 22, they should be able to find something that fits and be able to change their mind without any rigid commitments mm-hmm. or contracts with these companies. It's it's all about exposure, collaboration, and exploration, which is what we should be doing now and what we should all have always been doing.
0: Well, well said, well said. And there are two factors. When you're bringing up the the veterinary experience, Um, and this is true unfortunately parents do their best but there's still a lot of dysfunctional parents right so in the veterinary practice when people walked in with their dog and they were telling me the problem and of course I'm reading the person and the dog I'm like okay honey you talking to the owner you go in the treatment room and the dog will stay in the lobby waiting for you right because I mean and so uh, obviously the parents attracted to this are healthy and aware enough that they want to work as a team and care you know so that's um also a really good thing now so this last stage i have to read this part because i think you wrote it so beautifully when i read through your entire website is the last stage a hum- Is a human? Let's see. Focus is about making life choices of self-expression and freedom to choose a life path of happiness and fulfillment, not duty, parents' expectation, uh, peer pressure. You know all that kind of stuff, right? and uh yeah. and a humanitarian emphasis is paramount and service to others is the guiding principle we teach the importance of prioritizing emotional and spiritual wellness and i thought woohoo that yeah. is so important now so what happens i uh, i'm i'm hearing in the audience tele, tele telepathically what happens at 22 years uh if my kid finishes that or goes through that are there you said there's no grades. Is there a diploma? Um, and uh, we don't even really need that, right? As long as we are uh, prepared and have multiple skill sets and go towards our p- passion. Is that kind of how you feel or what?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the guiding vision is to prepare them in all the fundamentals and all aspects of life so that they come out of this well rounded compassionate kind human beings that know how to work with others and work well with others and can follow their heart and they know what that is by the time they get out and so I don't believe that there will be the system is collapsing and we won't be going by the diplomas and degrees anymore in the future now in the time being uh, so many people are that is their number one question what about what about uh, SATs and, and diplomas and GEDs and, and so forth? And with that, I will say even Sudbury that started in like in the 60s, I believe, those children have gone on to Harvard and, and have had incredible lives. And the way they have done it is they have assessments, which we, we can do, where at the end of the year, they will assess the child, not through testing, just from their their teachers, parents and the child just seeing their progress and seeing if they're ready to go to another another stage in in their process and then they have a a, a diploma or a graduation at the same ages as as, as the schools are now so 18 or that within that year time frame 17 18 and it's it's a it's a it's a what's the word i'm trying to think of it's an assessment essentially about their entire portfolio of everything they've done the whole time they've been there. And they have a council of uh, teachers and mentors that decide if they passed or not, and then they receive a diploma. And if need be, we could do something similar to that uh, to feed the in-between period of the old system and where I believe we're going. But I've been told, it's told so many times when I speak, with my guides, don't even worry about sharing. None of this is going to matter. Things are gonna flip so quickly that we don't need to worry about these small details. You're just trying to cater and answer to the questions that people are asking you from the old system and you're feeling pressured to come up with something and it doesn't really matter. So I really feel attached to that and I believe that's what's going to occur. Um, And so I think we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and moving out of the structure so there will be no standardized testing. Yes. There will be no college applications. There will be none of this because I believe the system will be free, whether it's mine. Um, I believe that schooling, the right schooling will be free and universities will go and trade schools will also be free um, because we're it's not based on money anymore. And so when, when you ask the question at 22, what will they do? They're, they're going to follow their passion and walk into their life ready and perhaps already having a job that they have secured from that apprenticeship or that transitionary period and they are going to be so more well so much more prepared and well-rounded than the children today that even graduate college because i can't tell you how many newly graduated youth and or adults that are or even elderly that say I never used my degree. It was a complete waste of money. They're paying Absolutely. off debt. They don't they, and they don't even get a job within that industry within that what what they studied. It's 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 ridiculous how much time and energy we waste. Um, and there will be things. And I also have received this question. Well, what about doctors? What about the the education that does require more long term? What I say to that is, you cut out the bachelor, and you condense it. And they might have a four-year trade school. We'll still call it a trade school. It's medical trade school, but it's holistic and wellness. Holistic. So they learn the osteo osteopathy. They learn the holistics. They learn all that. I don't even think it will take four years, honestly, um, because then it's going to be more. I where I see it going, it's going to be more hands-on learning. Where they're not in a classroom, but they're out working with another mentor, another doctor, physician that can train them. Because I I believe in my own experience in my in in this relates really in almost any aspect of my life, anything that I have done hands on is has geared me so much more valuable information than what I learned in a textbook in a classroom. Yes, you know, and that's more important and more valuable for these children to actually experience um, hands on. Everything should be hands on. Yes, as much as as much as obviously possible, they need to work with this things and use their hands uh and, and not just read a textbook yes so with
0: you 100 percent. and most people if i ask them they actually learn through actually doing it right uh, you know it's yeah. like the purpose of reincarnation is you can you can uh you know visualize or conceive of lifetimes but until you're down you're actually doing it you don't have a clue <laughs> it's like, Right. like. Right? so yeah. the whole point is to actually experience and integrate those skills on advanced cultures uh, Alex and I were talking the other day and in drama and cultures first of all we'll be living to older ages when we're healthy human human can live up to 400 and even 800 that's a whole nother subject but uh, um You know, 250, 300, 1,000 years is normal off planets. Well, the education is 250 years in Andromeda. The first 250 years, and it's explorative. And the thing is, they explore everything. And many of them, because they're so bright, they learn everything. So they have time and they learn because especially if you're on fleets or if you're called for emergencies, Each one of those people have 10 major skill sets because of that, you know, so we're just going to broaden, explore. And um, it's not about I'm not interested anymore in like condemning the old because as creators, don't waste your time focusing on that. Do exactly what you are doing and have done. Thank you. Is you just create and focus on what you want to create. The rest will take care of itself and we will have free energy too. So all of those things, right? So on your website, I noticed you have seven categories of what we call the new earth children that have been incarnating in these past several decades. And, uh, and I need to remind all of us that labeling is self-limiting yet useful for referencing and mutual communication for greater understanding. So I would like to go through those seven really quickly because I know we are getting close to the end of the show and for people who have agreed to have these special souls and advanced souls and uniquely wired souls incarnated in as their children so that they can have a, a little broader viewpoint of the uniqueness of these brilliant souls. If you would, would you be willing to do that?
1: Sure. Yep. Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay. So first one is the new earth children, which is a general term, right?
1: Right. That's just kind of talking about the, the collective of the children, you know, what Dolores Cannon would refer to as the third wave of volunteers.
0: Yes. And okay, so let's start with the label crystal children.
1: Right. So um, crystal children is, are the group that came in after the indigos roughly now of course i always have to say this these there's a large group that comes in around the same time But there are always pioneers that come much sooner and there are always some that are still coming in much later but there but they do come in in large groups at the same time so the crystals are teens and young and in the early in the 20s right now and they came in after the indigos where and they're entire purpose really is to bring in and flood the planet with the vibration of love. So they come in and they open our hearts. They're the nicest, most genuine, kind, non-confrontational. They're friends with everybody. They don't like conflict. They're, They're seemingly like even keeled. They don't have fluctuating emotions or extreme emotions they're very well behaved very well mannered they don't really get into trouble their teachers always say oh they're so easy they're great they get along with everyone they tend to like crystals they like to they're they pretty much get along with everybody and and can do most most anything and i'm not saying that they're that their skills are exceptional they're just willing to try everything they're easy going they can be extroverted they can also be introverted so it's kind of a, a toss-up there my son um jordan is definitely a crystal and they're 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 they change people with their presence because their whole purpose was to really shake the planet in a positive way and open our hearts up, which is what he did for me because I had that closed heart. I was angry and he cracked that thing right open. I was, I never even knew I had such a big heart because I had closed it off. And that was what, what, that's what they're here to do for everybody. Not just their mother, father, or family, the whole world that, because they have a positive influence on everyone that comes into their path. And they really were the starting point of the Ascension, I believe, because they were here to just,
0: just
1: change, shift the, the, the energy. They're, they're just a, they're beautiful souls and they just come in with love, lots of love, lots of compassion. They're super sensitive.
0: Yeah. Beautiful explanation. Now we did mention Indigos, the transition team. So just briefly Indigos, the generations before.
1: Right. So right before the the generation before that are the Indigos and tend to be the parents of these children. So I would be considered an Indigo. Um, Even my mom is considered an Indigo, you know, So it's, it's quite expansive with the, with the, the age, the age demographic or range rather. Uh, And they're really here to be the pioneers, like the first and second wave of volunteers uh, that Dolores mentions, which I love her dearly. And I love her work and all of her books. Um, And they're, they're, they're spirited. They're, they're, they're less corruptible. They're less programmable. They're the ones that are here that, like you said, the why, why to ask the questions, They start to notice things that need to change, that there are problems in the system, and they are here to kind of rock the boat a little bit. And then the crystals come in to let open and expand everyone's hearts and shift the energy in another way. None better or worse than the other, but just different just different energy
0: exactly and by the way folks these terms are often from the quality of the energy and the colors that these beings emit so indigate
1: these these are what i like to refer to as like the the good labels because i one of my passions and missions in life is to get rid of the labels i'm talking about the negative labels. yes but these are are just more of a, a way to describe because it does help parents understand their children more when i explain this and they're they're like oh my god my son or daughter's a crystal and it and, and helps them so right. it's a positive they're not
0: normal. you know right they're not abnormal they don't need meds et cetera. Et cetera right they're coming in yeah. to move and shake what about the star children
1: so the star children would be the group that came right after the crystal so now our teens and maybe eight teens to eight years old something like that they are more they so they come in to bring technology innovation engineering they're very a lot of them can be very cognitive they don't like change they're very strategic in their moves they like routine they don't want things to change out of what their comfort zone is so they can be really challenging in that regard they are not as easygoing sometimes they can they're a little bit more stubborn than the previous group but they're here after the crystals come in and open our hearts, they're here to, to break down paradigms and be like, I don't want to go to school. This doesn't look right. Um, this is why do we do it this way? Like my son, Skyler, why do I need to know this? Why do I have homework? You know, they ask the important questions. They they, 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 they cause the adults to rethink things. Um, and and some of them are quite intelligent and brainiacs. They're really smart. They ask the right questions and they're wise beyond their years to, to us, uh, you know, to, to in our perception. So they are, they take people, people are taken back by their presence. Um, They're also very compassionate and loving and kind to, to everyone else. Um, But a little bit more of a backbone than the crystals, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So they are the future innovators, engineers, architects of the new world. They will bring in the technology and many of the stars are not from earth. Yes, many of them come star from serious They're the star seeds. Although star seeds could uh, include to everybody. Ask. Yeah, it could be earth earth spirits, inner earth spirits, but but these tend to be off world. Mo- a lot of them are off world specifically. Yep, beautiful rainbow children. So rainbow children came in, and uh, which is what my daughter cat that category. So they're you know still coming in, and up to about you know. 12 years old or something like that so these overlap uh rainbows are almost a combination of indigo crystal and star they're just they're a force they have a presence that is detectable by anyone even if they don't read energy they are real strong willed they are rule rule breakers they say no they're somewhat aggressive they are leaders they are the leaders of the new earth so you know, the stars shift things up and rebuild and then the rainbows take come over and come and take over and, and pro- promote positive leadership. And they and they are profound. They are uh, life-changing in their ability to think five, 10 steps ahead of everyone else. So if people have a hard time following them because they're seeing a diff- bigger picture and sometimes people can get lost in their vision, but they're so multidimensional. And a lot of them are very psychic They attract negative energies, unfortunately, that they get attacked a lot in dreams and things like that. But they are really strong and they're worriers, they're worriers. There are, and uh, not all, but the downside, if there is such a thing, they tend to be a little less compassionate because they're just so focused on what they have to do. They will bulldoze through a crowd if they need to, where a crystal's like, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. so I won't (laughs) do that. But a rainbow is like I'm not going to think We're about like that. No I'm,
0: nonsense. Yeah. I'm
1: going this way. I'm a bowling ball, and I'm going to go right through the pins and not worry about <laughs> you know hurting anybody. And that's just their nature. And I think I think they're misunderstood a, a lot. To be well, honest, that's their with
0: function? You. This is all planned, yeah. right? And people, planned. Th- these are waves. This entire thing is all planned to for the ascension right. and awakening. Okay, and divine children—something you call divine children.
1: Divine children, again, and this is just a name that came to me, um, the divine children, I was told, were coming in from 2019 to 2023. They are the awakened ones. I mean, they truly are. They come in, they're the highest frequency, meaning they are ascended masters, um, and they are kind of like the caboose of the train that comes in, but they couldn't even come in before 2019 because the earth had to be in a specific vibration. Uh, frequency to hold their energy. And our bodies also had to have evolved enough through the shifting. And that's occurring with our ascension. Our physical bodies are changing in order for them to even come through in a physical form. And they don't even have all of their light integrated in even right now, the young ones, because their little bodies still aren't strong enough. So they're continuously integrating. They have to have etherical pregnancies with their mom. So they integrate energetically for nine to months to a year before they even are conceived. It's all about a slow integration process. They're extremely psychic, they can heal people. They have no veil of forgetfulness. They come in and they are just going to be almost like, almost like the Christ consciousness of, of what we need for the next part of our journey. And they are the anchors. They will anchor us into 5D. And only help us to go even higher and advance more, but also protect us. So they come in with a protection element because they're all can all divines are connected with a beautiful energetic grid that connects them as a powerful force. So they're uncorruptible. There is no possible way that anything, but I don't want to put that energy out there. But the way they describe is because they're all connected, it's almost like God energy, like no dark entity could take them down because you'd have to take them all down. And even the one's not born yet. So it's just, it's yeah. a powerful energy. And when they started coming through was my integral epiphany or realization or recognition that, oh, wow, this ascension, we're like at the no turning back point because they wouldn't come here if we weren't ready and they, we weren't already there, obviously, energetically. Yes. Um, so it's a beautiful thing. And I, Beautiful.
0: I love that you say they're uncorruptible. They can't be bought at all, you know, so yes. Okay, let's finish up with the high-frequency children, and those are uh, three labels, ADHD, Asperger's, and autism, and I would like you to just, we'll start with ADHD, um, and what are the their unique gifts, and given it, maybe give an example, well, you, yourself are an example, right? You felt like I, I just think of them as multidimensional, but
1: you, yeah. And that's, you, excuse me, that's exactly what it is. So it's a gift. It's a spiritual gift. ADHD. What that means simply is that they are high multidimensional frequency beings. They have a lot of energy coming through. They are vibrating at a different resonance than a lot of the other people on the planet. No, again, nothing wrong with the other people. They actually are here to to shift their energy and wake everybody else up. So they, you know, they've been coming in for a while and they are the troublemakers in the class, you know, deemed the troublemakers. They don't sit still. They can't sit still because they have so much energy. Their brain works really quickly. So they, are because they're multidimensional, they can't focus on one thing at the same time. So it's torture to have them sit in a classroom, fluorescent lighting with the teacher talking to them because they're thinking about a hundred other things They've already get the lesson. They're extremely smart, actually. They're just, they 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 come up off as they have learning disability when in reality, they are on a uh, different levels all at the same time. So they can't sit still because they need to move around because they have so much energy. They just, they feel that and their body can't sit still because it needs to channel that energy, this ebb and flow. And so they get in trouble because they won't sit still. They they talk out, They they don't listen. They ask too many questions because of the fact that they are also here <laughs> to ask those questions, and to exactly. make apparent that things are not correct. And why are we doing it this way? So it's actually a beautiful thing. But unfortunately, because this negative environment is designed to label everybody and put them in a box. And if you don't fit in that box of good little girls and boys and how you were supposed to be, then they have to be labeled something and then something has to be done about them. Oh, put right. them in the special classroom okay. or medicate. Them. And yes. then what happens, which is really sad is when they're medicated, oh. then that lowers their vibration. They disconnect, they disassociate, disassociate, and they are really in the shell of themselves and they lose their life force, their life essence while they're on that medication. And that's unfortunately why a lot of parents sought me out because they said, I lost my child. Where did he go? Where did she go? And I'm like, take him off the meds. You'll find him again. He's still there. He's just hanging out somewhere else. He doesn't want to be in this physical body because the vibration can't withhold his frequency anymore. And so that's, that's a good kind of quick explanation of ADHD.
0: Very important. hundred percent agree with that. Asperger's.
1: Asperger's are the, again, very galactic. Okay, very like starseed, but galactic. They're here to bring innovative technology and information. They have their brains are so wired with information that they are not really here to have a human experience. They are here to they don't like being children they don't like the hierarchy. So they don't like being looked down upon, like I am beneath you, because they, they know, they actually know that they're smarter than most people. So they come across as arrogant, um, and, and non approachable, they don't want to play with toys. So they, the they're, they are constantly having conflict with other children because they don't want to play with other children. They actually want to be more with the adults. They want to be doing something and engineering and using that brain. They're very left brain, but they are left brain by design because they need to come in and change things. And they are the future engineers, the brainiacs, you know, Elon Musk talks about how he has Asperger's. Um, And I'm like, man, I as part of me wishes. I had some Asperger's. I want to be that smart, but I'm (laughs) not here to be that. That's that's not my journey. I'm not here to be that smart. So they're very focused. They're hyper-focused on what they need to do. So they're unfortunately looked at as awkward, weird, you know, the weird kid that talks funny that won't, you know, they don't like to look at people in the eyes. And I had an autistic child tell me that the reason that they don't look in people's eyes is because they can see the truth and they can see their demons. They said they can see right through you and they're afraid at what they see. They don't like to see people's demons. They don't like to see what what is beyond the exterior because they see beyond and they see everything and it's overwhelming intimidating and scary for them so they don't want to look in your eyes that they're like i don't want to see it's almost like i don't want to see you naked you know it's almost like the there are people in front of them are naked and they're like i don't want to see it so they don't look you know because they don't want to connect in that way
0: because eyes are the windows of the soul and most advanced um beings here all read through eye contact so it's not like everyone has demons but uh but that's an, it's like too much input. It's like when you're too really tele- yeah. telepathic, who wants to walk down the street and hear what everyone's brains are doing. Exactly, it's like exactly. that kind of thing. Okay. And the last autism,
1: you know, autism too, is a lot of them are, are inter, what I should mention for all of these rather, and I apologize for forgetting, but many of the new earth children. um, And again, I say new, In quotes, because I just don't like labels, but we have to call it something right now. But a lot of the children that I seem to be working with or that are coming to me, another element to that that I haven't mentioned is that they have had very few lives because they're galactic. Many of them are coming in and this is their first life here. Exactly. This is their second life here. They trained for hundreds of our Earth years to even be able to be in a physical body. So they come in in these meat suits that's very dense. They're fifth, sixth, seventh dimensional being, density being coming in in third density in a body with emotions. And they're like, what? and they walk funny. Some kids, you know, they see they walk funny because they're trying to figure out how to walk. You know, they're trying to figure out how to use our language. So <laughs> autistic children tend to be the ones that are in that category the most. And they are trying to figure out how to be a human being, Um And they're, again, they have a lot of energy coming in. And so that combats with the physical body. And it's almost like the physical body's short circuits. It's too much energy Mm -hmm. for this galactic being to be here. And the the soul knows it, the body knows it, and they're trying to work together. And they have these side effects. And again, they fidget, they they can act weird. They walk funny, they talk funny. They don't want to talk at all. Another reason they don't want to talk is twofold. I've received this time and time again. They don't want to talk because they don't want to speak our language because they know it's based on spells and summoning dark entities. So they won't say our words because they know they're corrupt. But they also are coming in with the purpose of not speaking because they want to, they're here to encourage us to connect energetically and telepathically. And many of the families that have nonverbal children say, I understand everything. It took me a while, but now I can communicate. Voila, there you go. Now, imagine that on a large scale, we're starting to to train humans how to connect with the heart center through telepathy in other ways, energetically to, con- you know, connect. Oh, wow, you're upset without someone saying anything because they feel the energy. And then some of it also is I will I want to also say that they're observing, you know, their first timers here. So they just listen and they want to see, like, how is everybody acting? What are they saying? You know, I want I don't want to. F- I want to make sure I get, I understand before I start speaking, uh, you know, so there's a lot of elements to it, Um, but, but there always is a, a nefarious reason as well. I recognize that. So these things do contribute the electromagnetic frequencies, the chemtrails, the food, there's a million things that also cause the autism spectrum children. Exactly. I do recognize that. So I'm not devaluing that part of it to those parents out there. But I also want to point out that there is an energetic explanation as well that has nothing to do with the other stuff. There's two things going on here. And when I tell you that my mind was blown when I learned that years ago because I wasn't expecting that. And then I started connecting the dots and I was like, well, golly gee, there is an explanation for every single thing. And the children told me and it made sense to me. It resonated and it also made sense and resonated with the families. And.
0: Where do people go to sign up, to discover your delightful books, to watch your wonderful, divinely guided, animated children's cartoons with their kids? Where do they go? What's your contact info?
1: Yes. So our main website is aramiscreativelearning.com. And pretty much you can get to everything from there. That's where all of the, the classes are listed. That's where all the information uh, that I just talked about about New Earth Children is It is all typed out. You can read more about that in there. You can see all of our staff, our mentors, and their bios are in there. You can also see the links to, um, we have seven, six Divinely Guided children book, Children's Books out that are a series based off of the animation. Those are all available on Amazon and their links are there as well. We also have the Divinely Guided Children cartoon animation series. There are 16 episodes, I believe. I can't keep track. Those are on my YouTube channel, which is under my name, Sherry Divband, but then I also have a separate Divinely Guided Children Media channel that there is a link to that through my my channel, but also through Aramis Creative Learning Center, and the children can watch all of the videos that go through topics that I've believe that they should be learning about and i wanted to create an uh, in in a way that's fun for them to listen to and they it's they love the children love it so that's also there as well um we also have the aramis the aramis collective.com, which is the nonprofit, and we and we welcome and request donations if it feels and it resonates with you. Um, It it really truly helps us keep the operation going. So I don't pay for everything myself. Um, So we are beyond grateful for any contributions, large or small. And so you can check out the nonprofit, learn about a little bit more about that. And if you're interested in energy sessions for yourself or your children, those are also on the Aramis website as well in the classes section under energy healing um i think those are the the most ways the, the best ways i mean for people to get in contact with us
0: oh my goodness what a wealth of information and thank you so much sherry for your generosity of time and your practical and enlightened dedication to creating new education for these unique and cosmically brilliant new seeds and new children, so they can flourish and prosper and retain their self worth, their inner knowledge and innate wisdom, and folks, um, and also I'd like to say that I did look up the word Aramis, and it, uh, which is the name of your centers, and it means, as you know, I'm sure, promised by God. That's one of the interpretations. Different languages have different names. So this is a promise by our God self to create these. So, folks, a reminder that all these shows are on podcasts for your convenience. And every one of you know parents, aunts, uncles, godparents, grandparents with children and young adults. So please share this show to everyone. We can undo the whole trip, the anxiety, the depression that these children have been allowed, the judging, the grades, the bullying. And remember to support by liking and subscribing now. It is our promise as God beings to each other in our community to be proactive co-creators. And as Sherry says, quote, to empower children who are the future to feel supported, guided, and free to be themselves.
1: Yep. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: It's an honor. Thank you so much. And onwards and upwards together. And thank you for joining us today. We'll be in touch soon. Bye-bye.